0: Hi there. Hi, Germantown.
1: Hello. Good afternoon, Germantown. I am Stephanie here with Lois. Hi. My co host, Lois. Mm-hmm. We are the Everyday Feminist coming to you live on G Town Radio at 92.9 FM, WGGTLP Philadelphia. Or you might be streaming us online at gtownradio.com from any corner of the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in to
0: us. You could also be checking us out on our podcast. That's right. Hi. Welcome. But we're glad you're here. Yes. So glad. And we have a guest on our show today. So the last I mean, we've only really had one other guest on our on our show. I was just thinking it was in season two. It was
1: our second our second show. We had Jenny Brown on talking about um, abortion rights.
0: It was right when it was leaked that. Roe v. Wade might get turned. Right.
1: And it was Mother's Day because we were talking about no one should be forced
0: into motherhood. So that's right. Yeah. That was our last interview. Yeah. Well, we're really glad to have our guest here today. We have our guest Zach Watson with us today. Now, I came across Zach over the internet through Instagram because Zach has a lot of content that he puts out. Uh, from a male perspective on domesticity, on relationships, and on equality within the home. Zach, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Come.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So, Zach, could you tell us a little bit more and describe a little bit more about what you do to our listeners?
2: Sure. I, I think uh, so. I, I make a lot of uh, short form content, you know, seven seconds to three minutes um, on Instagram and TikTok, sometimes YouTube shorts. A lot of it is moments that I've had uh, with my wife, with my my one and a half year old, um, that I want to share sort of the, I'm trying to build my own self-awareness is what I get out of it. Um, and I think a lot of people feel a lot of validation for it. And, or I think some people find like new skills or like new moments of their own self-awareness when they listen to it. Uh, so I think that's one of my huge goals is to share my story in a way that I think, gives people empowerment to live their lives better, um, but also brings progress to, I think, the the social goal of bringing more equality to the household. So I've been doing that probably since, well, I've been making content on the internet for about nine years now, but past about two and a half years uh, more specifically on this topic.
1: Is that since you were expecting your first child? Is that where the change happened?
2: Uh, sort of. Yeah. yeah. I, I started taking TikTok seriously at the beginning of 2021. Um, and then it was about a couple weeks after our first born. Um, I was on my 7 PM to 3 AM shift cause she would not fall asleep. So I would stay up with her trying to help mom get, you know, 90 minutes of sleep here and there while she was trying to breastfeed. And, um, I I made a video just like saying the the tough part right now about um, this is not the two week olds crying in my ear. It's knowing that I have to go wake up my wife because she's committed to breastfeeding, and um, I got both a lot of hate because I think people didn't understand. They're like, feed that baby. Like you're they they thought I was literally not feeding the baby for eight hours. But I think they just reacted to the first ten seconds of the video. Yeah. Um, and that that was one of my first really viral videos that. I was like, oh, people care about this subject a lot. Um, so I started to talk more about it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's super awesome. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'm somebody who's always been an advocate of parents. You know, I was interested in infant mental health for, you know, years and years and years. And a lot of that is just really helping parents help their children, especially that transition to parenthood, going from no children to one child, I think is like maybe the hardest transition of life. I'd agree. Right. And so it's pretty cool that you kind of are bringing that forward and you are like showing that moment because we don't talk about it generally globally as a society. We just see, I mean, it might be changing because of, you know, the Internet and the way that things are, I don't know, delivered in media now, but at least I'm a little older than you. So in my time, we would just see Pampers commercials where everybody just looked happy and then you have Mm -hmm. a baby and you're like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is hard.
2: Yeah. I remember my first weeks that I I was just posting on Facebook too, partially just like sharing like my authentic experience because I was sick of seeing all the picture perfect things on Facebook. Yeah. And I remember being really disappointed. One of my friends that was not a parent yet. They said like, yeah, like it sounds like you're just like crying for attention out here. Like, what are you doing? Like, you should be enjoying every moment. I'm like, you don't have an effing kid. Can I swear in here?
1: yeah not mm. now try not to okay
2: <laughs> you don't have an effing kid and i was like don't like wait till you have a baby that doesn't fall asleep outside of someone's lap oh my and god then we can talk
1: yeah mm-hmm. oh so much to say mm-hmm. about that it's like you're a much better parent until you have children one <laughs> and number two never tell a parent to enjoy it when they have small children oh i hated that enjoy yeah. it enjoy it your kid's yeah. like crying and you want to <laughs> like you want to go back in time to a
0: time before you had children? <laughs> I remember feeling like I was somebody on the other side of that. So when my kids were little, so I have, I have three kids, and the, the first two are 15 months apart. I was pregnant with my second when my first was only six months old. And then there's two years between my second and my third, so I had them really close together. So it was a lot of baby, toddler energy, in a very consolidated time. So I was totally in it. My body was either an incubator or a feeder. (laughs) Or both. Or both. (laughs) For like four years straight. (laughs) It felt felt insane. But what I would try to do is I I had, it was like, you know, this is, we're talking 2006, 2007 here. It's like when mommy blogs were just starting to like kick off or whatever. And I had this mommy blog where I would just try to catalog my favorite thing that happened that day. So then I could look back on it without that type of resentment or look back, you know, when I could look back on my life, I could see the beautiful moments in it. But I also see how I contributed to the picture of things looking perfect. Yeah. So Lois is one of the people that we hated. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean, I deleted it because I was like, I can't even stand myself.
1: Oh, God. No, it's good that you have yeah. the log because it's mm-hmm. not all bad. But I, I often feel like the way that a parent can enjoy it is if you help them help them so that they can enjoy it. If you, you know, like I had no help at all. It was like me and I have two kids that are three years apart and they're grown, you know, one's in college now and one's in high school, but it was, it was hard. And, if it's sort of like if you're not gonna help me or offer me any kind of like support, don't tell me just to enjoy it as you like stand back and watch and judge me. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where I was. Yeah, I'm it's totally co-opting the whole story, Zach.
0: So Zach, <laughs> here's the question I have for you: So you were already doing content, you were already doing internet like. Content creating, and you just found that people wanted to talk about this stuff more. So, was there a little bit of a light bulb moment there where you realized that, hey, this is just important content that people are interested in hearing? So, maybe I should explore more, or was there like a personal moment for you that you're like, oh man, maybe the way that I was raised is not well, and I don't know how you were raised. Um, you know, and I I don't know how your wife was raised either, but was there a moment for you as a man? I'm you're, you're identifying as a man, right? I just want to make sure. Um, like, was there a moment for you that you were like, Oh, Oh, hold on. There's something more here that touches deeper, even within my own self.
2: Tough question. I think a couple of years ago, actually, I, I knew that a lot of what I wanted to put out on social media was just general positivity because I think there's a lot of negative out there and negative is just winning all of the headlines and I talked about having a gay pride flag in my classroom while I was a teacher and I just recognized that social issues are a much more hot button topic and I recognized that that like if I was going to talk about them that was going to be my entire existence so I made a video about having a pride flag in my classroom And then all of a sudden I had a couple thousand followers, all mostly teenagers in the LGBTQ um, community. Um, And I think that back then I was like, I don't know if I want this to be all of my existence on the Internet, like that when people search my name, that's what they find. And I, I think that when I became a father and I started making videos about that, I asked myself, okay, I know that social issues are really powerful, talking on them. can make a difference and I was seeing that it was making a difference for people in a way that I felt like being a champion for and not that I didn't want to be a champion for the LGBTQ I just wasn't willing to have my like entire existence on the internet be like that be the main thing that I was known for but I felt good about being like an equitable partner and a a dad I think you you get excited about like a new identity change when you come to be a parent um, which you know, down the line, I know at least for moms that can turn into like a cave of its own. But yeah, I think it was from my previous experience, I recognized that that was something that I was open to being um, along with, I didn't realize, I don't think how rare it was. So I took three months of paternity leave off, and then I ended up manifesting a fourth. It was kind of mind blowing that that was apparently non-existent. Um, I was also working at an all-girls school that most of them had had some sort of trauma. Many of them had been through sexual assault. And I think being in that environment where I was very much a caretaker for these young women and then becoming a father of of a daughter, I, I was like, I need to be a champion for this more than I ever thought I needed to be. I hope that answers your question. That was long-winded.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see why you would even want to make that switch because it's not that you aren't, you're not supportive of LGBTQ rights but I could see how something became more personal to you and how that seems like okay you're carrying you're not only carrying that flag but you have a, a flag that's a little bit closer to your heart that makes it possible to have some more passion and understanding and make it more relational particularly with you and your family so it totally makes sense
1: right it's like it's like we say like in the therapy world it's like go where the energy is right and it sounds like for you like your personal energy went there And Mm. so then it matters. So then that means whatever you do with it's going to have more oomph to it, you know, because it's meaningful.
0: Mm -hmm. And an all-girls school too, what ages were you teaching?
2: Uh, I was ages, uh, I think our youngest student was maybe 12, oldest was 22.
0: Okay, so middle school, high school, and Mm. early college education. Okay. Just trying to think, like, what do you think the work that you've been doing in this, you know, as you're creating content, how has it affected your family or your family life?
2: I think I've been a lot more self-reflective in a lot of ways. Um, I, I did a, a live stream with a content creator the other day that, um, I, you know, I told her, I think I found her about a year and a half ago. Her username used to be not not Kristen Bell because she's kind of a doppelganger. And I said, you know, I saw you sort of as a big sister that was like reminding me of all of the privilege that men had in the world. And so I think because of all the content that I put out talking about trying to improve my ability to be an equitable partner, I get tons of feedback on where I'm messing up and where I'm doing well. And so it's been a great place for me to So, for example, like I got a lot of negative feedback when I was talking about part of it was I just tried doing a TikTok trend and like I did it wrong and I realized I was sending the wrong message. Um, But it was like this video I did where, um, so we have our, our baby monitor and it was on the bed next to Alyssa. And I was saying, like, hey, when I'm trying to be up with her in the middle of the night, like, let me take it with me so that you can sleep. And she was having a really hard time with that because like her, anxiety was still through the roof. And we were trying to find an even part of the reason her anxiety was through the roof was because she was not getting enough sleep. So even every time that I would wake up to take care of her, she would still be up. And it was almost like a waste of the the effort I was putting into trying to calm her and give Alyssa the space to sleep um, wasn't being maximized or like optimized versus like when she was up with the baby, like I had no problem staying asleep. So I ended up making like a video about that. And I got like a ton of really negative feedback. The way the trend looked, looked like I was just complaining about her such that I was going to leave the marriage, which was not at all the message I was coming for. But a lot of people were like, how dare you shame her for her anxiety? And I didn't realize, even though that was more feedback on a message that I didn't mean to send, I think being in that space where I think I have about 94% women are are watching me and like commenting being in that space of constant feedback on where I'm messing up or where I'm doing well. um, And as long as I continue to try to post vulnerably in such a way that like, I'm trying to tell the truth and I'm opening up the conversation for feedback. I think it can be really healthy. There've definitely been moments where it's just been straight ego. And I look really good. And I, and Alyssa's gotten pretty good at calling me out, like, why are you taking a video of you doing the dishes right now? And then, like, I've gotten better at identifying the difference between, well, this is the message I'm trying to send versus, and like, this is educational versus, like, yeah. I guess I'm trying to just look good. I, so <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I see <laughs> We all have yeah, it. Yeah, it's like domestic <laughs> porn or something. It's like I know ninety four percent of my listeners are women, and they're watching yeah. me. And yeah, I can. So see I know that. every
2: every once in a while, it's almost like a domesticated man thirst trap of sorts. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. But I. I and they're them
0: out there it. too. They're like mm-hmm. those content creators out there too. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like, it's interesting that you are
1: saying that 94% of your viewers are women Mm -hmm. when I would imagine, or I would, um, I personally would want men to be watching you because it's sort of like you're the one sending, you know, it's sort of like for men to see other men doing it differently or like sharing a message that's really important would be wonderful. Like I know we love it when we have, when the stats show that we have more male listeners to our show. Um, Because it's sort of like, it could, you know, could be a game changer. Is that a thing that, you know, you're trying to do, like to reach a more male audience also?
2: Yeah, I think sometimes I try to, I think part of the goal of me sharing oftentimes is trying to create like a more palatable message for men to receive. I think a lot of times when, when you see women um, talking about the challenges of being in an inequitable marriage, a lot of guys are not going to be able to hear that message because of one, just because it's coming from a woman and they can't see themselves in it. Um, and also it's like coming from the side of like, lack of a better word, like almost like complaining or just like, I'm experiencing this bad thing, hear me. But if it's coming from a man, I know that oftentimes it can be received at least a little bit better. Oftentimes, it's still not received very well. But yeah, that's definitely a huge part of what I'm trying to do in a lot of my educational videos. I know that um, one of the constant questions is like, how, how do I get this video on my husband's for you page? How do I get? uh, How do I share this with him without sharing it with him so that it feels organic? That's the one I'm still trying to crack. I haven't figured that one out yet. But
0: Well, that's interesting, and I'm going to pick your brain here, Stephanie, because even that, when we, on our show, a lot we talk about healthy relationships, but even when hearing you say that, it's like, how can I share something with my husband without really sharing it with him, like subliminally sharing something with him, and something we talk a lot about on our show is being able to foster healthy relationships with our partners that feel respectful that like you should be able to come to your partner and have a respectful conversation about domesticity and if you can't have a respectful conversation about anything really with your partner then what are you what's going on here there's something else happening in the house yeah I mean so did you have a question no I guess my question for you is like how what like what's your take on that well figuring I... out like it's almost seems like a little scheming like people are asking you Zach like how can my partner hear what you have to say because I feel like I can't say it to him I need a man to say it for me which is also like oh it's like kind of It's like, I know it it like makes me frustrated. Yeah.
1: And that's sort of, we, we talk about that a lot. You know, I certainly, I often talk about how I have seen this in my practice, you know, often women coming in and just like openly like weeping out of frustration and sort of like, this is an ongoing question of how can I say it in a way it can be heard? How can, like, I don't want to be a nag. I don't want to, um, be controlling or like, I don't want to be called any of those things, but I need to communicate that I'm struggling here and that this is too much for me and I need help. And if I'm cast in this role, like in, out of a defensive move on the part of my partner, nothing changes. And so how do I change it? So, you know, what you're saying, Zach sort of just makes me sad. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, here we have again, women running up against sort of like what society has done to men, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. That it's, it's like, You know, men aren't, you know, they're not choosing to actively hurt their wife. They love her, presumably, and don't want her to be struggling. But for some reason, like these messages, there's like a wall that goes up.
0: And she doesn't feel safe enough to share something like a reel on Instagram. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, the other thing I was thinking, Zach, is that it sort of makes you kind of a warrior, like, because you're putting yourself in the firing line. It's like, if you're a pioneer for this kind of work, and you're one of the first men that is sending this message to other men, one, other men might object to you. I don't know if they do. And certainly, like you were saying before, you're kind of get opening yourself up to the like female firing squad. That's looking for a target.
2: It's scary sometimes. And
1: you're, and you're saying I'm open to hearing it. And because you're open to hearing it at all, I imagine just like comes at you. You could get like a big tidal wave. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It, that's happened with a couple of videos, but I, I think of a lot of times I've from that, I've learned not to put myself quite at risk or like I've gotten over the past year and a half of making these have gotten a pretty good pulse on what I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for. Every once while I'm surprised and like people love me for it because I'm speaking the truth and it's vulnerable and it's, they identify with it. Um, And then sometimes I'm I'm really wrong. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we got on, on the air, you had mentioned the fair play method. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Oh yeah. So,
1: oh, look at this.
2: Yeah, so uh, got this is books. the Fair Play book. I ordered uh, them, is... so
0: I'll read them and I'll and I'll and I'll let you borrow. Them.
1: Well, I haven't read your book, Zach. So maybe you know, give us a summary.
2: Oh, uh, so my, these are not my book. This oh, they're is, not your These books. are written by Eve Rodsky. No, this is, ah. this is way bigger than me. Sorry I, I about do have that. my own book, but that's that's different. Oh,
1: well, I want to hear um, about that then too.
2: Um, so Fair Play is a book written by Eve Rodsky and get back in 2019 um talks about you know we all talk about there's no there's no manual that comes with parenting um, but there's also no manual that comes with partnering and co-living in the same space um so i i'm kind of psyched about this little idea that i had the other day of um of a little video i wanted to make um i'm hoping this will paint the picture of it is when you know when two people say like oh yeah let's get married let's let's go live in a partnership Um, Then there's like, poof, there's this patriarchal genie that comes out like, here, here's the contract that you're actually signing up for. These are the societal expectations that you um, are signing that you don't even know about. And so the, the woman's looking at her pages. Okay, all right, interesting. Guy's looking at her pages. She's like, hey, what's this fine print about? And like, oh, yeah, that's just like all the default boxes that get checked off for you if he doesn't check them off. It's for everything in italics why is everything in italics? Oh, that's just the way things are. We haven't made any changes yet. Um, we're just waiting for something to come along to make some changes. Maybe some legislation will come through. But until then, everything's in italics. You get the small print, your default, to everything. Yeah. And the guy's looking at it like, wow, I have a lot of free boxes that I don't have to check. Hmm. And Fair Play comes along and say, actually, we've gotten rid of all the italics and all the boxes are unchecked we're giving you this deck of cards. Do I have one around me? Probably somewhere. Um, so they have a deck of cards as well. And the idea is that you dish out the cards and they're all of the different tasks that typically exist in a in a home. I think there's 100 cards, 40 of them um, are relevant if you have children. The other 60 are relevant, children or no children. Um, and they develop like a framework and like a structure to exist inside of um, so that you can have an equitable home. Is that, uh, that's like the, the short summary
0: of it.
1: Yeah. It's funny when you're summarizing it, I was realizing that I have in fact heard of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I've heard about the deck of cards cause I have clients who have the cards yeah. and I, I have to say like within the work that I do, so I do help, Uh, couples find gender equality within the home and I a lot of my clients have like (laughs) tried the tried the deck of cards and realize a lot of it comes back to their relationship and respectful ways of talking to each other because you can have and you can divvy up chores you know and really understand who does what and even try to figure out Who's going to do this and who's going to do this and who's going to, you know, like and really understanding the amount of work that goes into running a household and having like a full, beautiful life. It takes a lot of work. So yes, step one is understanding how much work it takes and how much, how much pressure's predominantly fall on women for me I find that a lot of times even the knowing is the big first step that a lot of couples need to know like the like what's in like what's in that contract that I signed I like the way that you describe that but then a lot of it you know I hear you know I hear you say that but I also like for me I can't help but think of you know how many percentage of those people who bought those decks are also feel like they're afraid to share your content with their husband. You know, and it comes down to also like, like how safe do you feel in your house? How do you, do you feel respected? Like, and are the chores not only being divided fairly, but is, are they being honored? Like, Mm. is the domestic work truly being honored instead of it feeling like chores?
1: Right, right. I mean, I think what you're saying is important, Lois, too, about communication mattering a lot, like how do these things get talked about within a couple and and also, is it sustainable? Is it like you know, you know, well, you told me to do the dishes and I did them you know mm-hmm. last Tuesday once, <laughs> but yeah. I did them. What do you mean? Yeah. I did them yeah right like is it sustainable? but also, I mean, I think that it's the ability to communicate around this stuff is sort of where it's at, like how do you even like start talking about? Mm-hmm. The conversation, especially if you're saying that you know women are reaching out to you, um, asking, "Can is there a way that I can kind of like sneak your video onto my husband's feed?" That would indicate to me that this is a hard topic to even bring up. Like, how do you because probably their husbands aren't the one going out buying the Fair Play Method book or the deck of cards. They are, and so they, I'm guessing, would want help. Even like, where do I start? You know?
2: Yeah. So. I made like a little two page free PDF download if people want it. Um, seven fair play conversation starters. Oh, cool. I haven't gotten feedback on how effective they are yet, but they are definitely something that I've been, that I'm looking to retool once I have some more feedback on them. But what I try to start out with is a lot of people will see a video or they'll have a moment where they recognize inequality in their home and they're immediately triggered. They're immediately upset. And that's typically not a great time to start a conversation when you're already triggered. So like one sort of baseline, and they talk about this in the book too, is like you want to start conversations when you're at like a an even keel, like a good mood. I typically recommend, you know, the the American essentials of, of food and happiness is like wine and ice cream. So I recommend people start by saying, hey, so let's say they saw one of my videos instead of trying to put it instead of sending um like the video over text or tagging them in it say hey you know I saw this video the other day that um you know I was thinking a little bit about how it exists in our home I want to talk about it with you but you know I recognize now is not a great time tonight after dinner and the kids are down would you mind like could have a bowl of ice cream I could talk about it with you and the goal being is and I think another e part to the equation of that conversation starter, and I don't like doing this, but I think it's necessary, is the partner that's bringing up, typically the woman, if you can look to find a place where you can take responsibility for the situation, which again, I, I don't want to force you to, because oftentimes it's it's guys that are are not holding their load, try to lead with that. So I know, for example, a lot of times when I'm upset, I can look for where I, I can take responsibility for it. And I can usually attribute it to my poor communication. I recognized I had like an emotional issue about this and like I, I figured it out and I just want to share it with you. Now is not the right time. Um, or like, you know, I recognized I, I set a boundary and didn't follow through with it. Um, so I think if you can have a non-emotional moment, um, sort of schedule out in advance Um, So it's expected and it's it's not as likely to be dodged. Add some like ice cream or some wine, not a a whole six or 30 pack, but like just something to lighten the mood a little bit, but like a purposeful time that's not distracting that you anticipate could be a better moment of the day. After kids are actually down is ideal rather than like seven o'clock because the kids might resist going down. There might be a lot of screaming and seven o'clock you might still be pretty jazzed up but yeah those are some of like the sort of pillars of what I recommend in a conversation to get that started
1: yeah like sort of like the there's like a pre like a way to set the stage and I like what what you're saying I mean I have a similar style I think is like almost like if you come at if you have a request to talk about something and you start it from a one down position, not in a way that like is demeaning of you, but in a way that sort of like tets, sets the tone of like, hey, I'm not out to attack you mm-hmm. and I'm here to have a conversation and I don't mind. It, it sort of is like, you know, I'm I'm reflecting here and I'm open to feedback, too. And, you know, sort of like, could we both be curious? Could we both be open? Mm
0: mm-hmm. And I had a conversation the other day where going into the conversation, knowing it might be difficult, I said, what are your reservations about having this conversation? So I know moving forward, so I know, you know, how to respectfully move forward and then letting this other person know, here are my reservations about having this conversation with you. So that way we both understand where we're coming from before we even bring it to the Table, and then you can refresh. You can you can keep going back. Like, remember when I said that these were my reservations? I'm kind of hearing that pattern now, and I don't want to attack you. I don't want to fight with you.
1: Yeah. Do you have more? But like, are there more things Mm -hmm. on your list that you feel like would be useful to say, or is it? You know, you can just give us like a a place to go read it.
2: So yeah, I mean, if so, if you go to my Instagram or TikTok, uh, there's a link for my stand store. It's I think it's the first link on there for a free download. What's your Instagram um,
1: handle or?
2: Uh, Instagram is real zach z a c h think share, um, and then TikTok is zach think share. Okay. Sadly, my Instagram got fish last year, so I have to do the real the one. The real
0: one. Can I ask you a question, Zach? What? are your guy friends saying about this stuff do you feel like you've been held by them or like can you guys talk about this because I know that men talking to other men about these things are is like that just doesn't usually happen
2: so thinking about my college friends I feel like in general I think we all grow for those that go to college, we all kind of grow apart just because we drift physically, and like you just don't have like a replicatable opportunity to see each other. I feel like I don't talk about it that much with them, um, but a lot of my colleagues. So I'm, you know, I'm in sales, pretty male-dominated uh, field. Now that I've gotten out of teaching, it's been really interesting. So I, I, actually, pretty cool moment. I haven't made a video about this yet, but um, so my boss is a, is a guy. He follows me on Instagram, and I've almost now. I think I've gotten like six out of my eight teammates in manager to use the word mental load on their own free will, like within day-to-day conversation, which is really cool. Just like mental load is a pretty specific buzzword for like this genre, this conversation. So coming to your question, I I don't know that I've gotten to where I want to in terms of having really direct specific conversations around this. I do know that it's had an impact because they're using words that I know that they would not use if they hadn't seen my videos or heard or talked about them. And I also recognize that I want to take credit for this, but I don't know if I can actually take credit for this. But you know, as a parent, I think it's, it's often the expectation is that the, the mom has the baby on the hip while they're multitasking five things. And I've somewhat purposefully tried to normalize dad doing that too. So I will bring her to meetings. I'll say, yeah, Alyssa, she had other things to do. So like, baby's with me. We're we're having a meeting and I'm just going to be on mute because I might have a baby screaming in my ear. So I've been trying to purposefully normalize the multitasking of dads and showing that mom's career matters too, however much she wants it to. And that like, if they can be multitasking or like their career can have a different prioritizations such that they can have a baby on their hip to do their job that dads can do that too
0: which kind of makes me want to ask the question if you were talking to men in this situation now knowing that half of our listenership are men what are the benefits what are the benefits of being like this
2: i'm going to give you my, my one of my favorite ones so so one of the so i'll be honest i have not completely implemented all of the fair play method um, main reason discovered it in September started implementing it that month um, got the cards and like had our first like two three hour conversation with Alyssa October or November we bought a house and we're still in the process of moving my background's blurred out because it's all boxes still we haven't even moved into like our main bedroom once we're fully moved in we'll we'll reapproach. But one of the things that I, that we did when we got the card deck was not necessarily to divvy up all the tasks, but we said, okay, which of us, are, which card do we have 51% of? And we, we gave each other the cards to identify about where we're at currently. And then, you know, I think we both recognize that she still has the majority of the mental load of the general domestic labor load in our house. And so we looked for which one of these cards that I have at least 51% of would make a huge difference if I took a hundred percent of, and what kind of trust would Alyssa have to have and, or like control would she have to relinquish for that to happen? And we identified that dishes and I'll stick with that one for this example, um, dishes and like cleaning up the kitchen after like dinner slash nighttime was an ideal one. Um, One, I was already doing probably 75% of it, but I was so annoyed all the time by, by her saying, Hey, can you feed the dog? Hey, can you clean up the dishes? Like, yeah, I I know I'm going to do it. Like I was going to do it anyway. And now I'm just annoyed that you're asking me to do something that I was planning on doing. And so I think that an underrated feeling of peace of mind is knowing you're going to do something more than the doing of the thing. For example, I got a DM the other day with a couple uh, from a a woman. They'd read the book, started the cards. He's doing more physical labor at the house, but he's failing to like they slash is failing to like fully take on CPE. CPE is conception planning and execution. Most of the time, like you had, I like think you had said earlier, like, hey, can you do the dishes? Conception is in mom's head. Planning is in mom's head. Execution is getting delegated to the guy. Conception and planning, if that's taken fully by the guy, then he is responsible for that entire task from the, the thought all the way to the finish. So I've taken full CP of the dishes and what they talked about in the DM was that like, even though he's doing more execution, there's, they're like more anxious than before because he's like constantly upset that he's doing more. But I think that if you were taking on full CPE of that, so I think the additional like mental ones around dishes are like making sure there's enough like dishwasher soap pods, uh, making sure they're on the grocery list when necessary and uh, cleaning the dishwasher or emptying and filling the dishwasher, um, making sure the countertops are clean. One of the advantages of that is when it's like seven, eight o'clock, our baby's gone down and we're sitting, chilling on the couch for a little bit. There's no anxiety while I'm sitting on the couch. Like, Oh, she's going to ask me to do it again tonight. I just know that it's on my list of things to do so I can, while we're, you know, eating dinner, There's a couple other things I'm going to do to make sure the dishes are complete in an efficient way. I'm more likely to not put in in the sink and I'll put it in the dishwasher. So there's a lot more efficient motion that's happening with that specific task. So coming back to your question, like what are the advantages of taking this on is that I think a huge part of the anxiety is in the expectation that she's going to ask us to do things. And if we're taking on the full responsibility of it, it's really not that bad because it just becomes a part of our daily grind. And there's so many things within our daily grind that we just don't complain anymore. Cause we're so used to it. And I'll add one more metaphor, not that I want to make this much more complex. And thank you for giving me the space for this long winded answer. Two years ago, Uh, I started taking cold showers. I don't, I don't always take them, but usually when I'm recognizing I'm just getting too comfortable in life, I do it. And at first I was only able to do them for like 30, 45 seconds. And then I, at one point said, you know, I'm just going to stay in here till it's not, not comfortable. So not that it's comfortable, but it's like, yeah, I could be in here for another 10 minutes. I've estimated it's about three minutes. Anytime I'm in a cold shower, about three minutes later, I could be in there for forever within that feeling of going through something uncomfortable and realizing you can actually just, like once you get used to it like you can acclimate to anything and so similar with like the dishes and taking on that load it sucks at first when you're not used to it give it like two weeks and it's just a part of your nighttime routine and it's really not that bad
1: and then no one has to ask you to do it because your wife trusts it's going to be done
0: yes and the fighting starts to melt away because there is a general acknowledgement of the human responsibility of caring for yourself. Well,
1: I don't know. I don't know if you guys would mind if I changed the yeah, focus ahead. just a little mm, bit yeah, because yeah. early on, Zach, you said um, at the very beginning of our of this episode, you said that one of the things that you were one of the investments you had in social media was sharing your story, mm-hmm. and you know the psychologist in me is like, oh, story. I want to hear it. Are there elements of your story that you would like to share even here that could be, you know, useful for people to hear?
2: Um, when you say useful, like useful in helping them find like a better equality and like yeah, equilibrium inter- in their home.
1: Yeah, or like whatever your own mission is. Like I'm just curious about your story or like what the parts are that you wanted to share and what that means to you because I imagine it's important.
2: Sure i'm gonna i get two in mind in terms of like creating equality in, in the mindset in the home one which i've actually gotten a good amount of pushback from women for but i still believe in it is the one of the first things uh when when my wife was pregnant and we told her parents my mom said you're gonna be pregnant with her right i was like yeah duh and not everyone knows what that means but that means like you're gonna not drink alongside her, correct? And I think my mom had sort of baked that into me as like a concept like to really be with her. but I think the continued fleshing out the explanation of the value of this for about a year and a half now, um as it was one of the other early videos that um got a lot of attention, was that when you choose to do that alongside your your pregnant partner is that there's one, it's like a pretty minuscule amount of mental load to be thinking about what you're consuming, but it's like a, a pattern interrupt. So you might typically say you go to a bar every once in a while with your friends, probably have the same order. You typically know what you want, but like one, having to say it in front of your friends, that social friction, maybe is a, feels a little weird, like acknowledging that you're doing it because your, your wife technically has a choice, but you know the, the other side of that choice is um, you know dysfunction in the child. But having that little extra mental like friction, I think starts reminding you that there's going to be more and more things that you're going to have to take on as a father. And so that was like one of the first ones that some people are like, that's stupid. You can be a terrible father and be sober with your partner and it doesn't matter. And yeah, you're not wrong. And one of my like long-term visions, and I'm hoping I can find a better way to articulate this thing. But um, you know, one of the visions I hope that someday, when my daughter, if if she chooses to have a child, um, that it's the social norm where, if, say, let's say it's a male partner goes to a bar, like, oh, you're not drinking because because she's pregnant, and I hope that that's the norm. Like I hope people are like. Wait, why are you drinking? Your your wife's pregnant. That's that's weird that you're drinking right now. So I
0: hear you, could... you saying like fostering a sense sense of empathy with within action to understand life's changes and being with someone in that. And I mean that doesn't necessarily have to be a rule. Each person and each couple are going to operate differently, but the action of saying, "Hey, I'm here with you, and I'm gonna." not only try to understand what you're going through, but be part of what you're going through as well.
2: Yeah. And the the other edge of that sword is like people have sort of accused me of like method acting or like faking empathy sort of. And there have definitely been moments where it's, it's almost, I've had to learn how to tone it down. Cause it was definitely a little bit of an ego boost when, you know, there's women with you around and they're like, Oh, that's so sweet that you're not drinking with them. So learning to not share it and take that action in such a way that like that you end up with that response. But yeah, I, I think you summarized it really well. Thank you for that. Right. I'm it's probably like, going to steal that soundbite mm-hmm. for later.
1: <laughs> it's like a way of life, you know, and you're describing, it's sort of, it's sort of like not just um, holding your partner in mind, like really holding them in mind, even when they're not there, but having the solidarity of the action. Right. There is a sense of like, we're in this together and you're with me, whether you're with me or not, you're with me Yeah, and I'm with mm-hmm. you.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: and also that I know that I've taken this sort of uh, concept to to like an extreme where I'm probably overstepping, but I think it was worth a conversation and trying. Like I tried doing like a, a video series of like 15 things you could do to try to sort of empathize with your partner that's pregnant. One of them being take your favorite clothes that you fit really well into, throw them in a box and then not get to wear those for nine months and, and or longer drink a shot of vinegar for the first trimester. Cause that acid burn probably is a little bit similar. So there's a couple of things that people have definitely pushed back I won't elaborate into that, but that's like, those are some other things. If, if alcohol was not relevant to you in your, in your partnership, um, there there are plenty of other alternatives they could do similarly coming back to your question uh, around my story i think the second one i wanted to share was um paternity leave so i was privileged enough to live in or, or work in an environment that really prized paternity and maternity leave um as a teacher you know i i said that i was taking 3 months off and they didn't bat an eye there was no c- concern about the fact that I was doing it, that was just sort of a, there, there was no pushback at all versus I know in a lot of other industries, there would have likely been. Um, and fun fact, I I say that I manifested the fourth month. I'd been talking about it on TikTok for the first couple, first two months saying like, yep, I'm taking four months. I don't know how I'm going to do it because the stay only pays for three or partially pays for three. Um, and then I got appendicitis literally the weekend before I was going to go back And so I ended up having um, paid leave for medical leave for that fourth month. Um, But I think the value in paternity leave was that I had a much clearer feel for all the domestic labor that was going on already in our home. Because Alyssa was already working remotely and I was out out of the house 50 hours a week. So one, just seeing it happen really needing to be responsible for it or it wouldn't happen. And I think I saw how much anxiety would my wife would get all the time. So one of the, like what felt like an act of service often to me, because I had a pretty low expectation for cleanliness around the house, but I really didn't want to see her anxious was I got a lot better at cleaning, at least like the kitchen surfaces, um, because she would walk in and like look like she was going to have a panic attack. Um, and I think at one point she actually did have a panic attack. So I, I think just discovering, like rediscovering the value of all the domestic labor that ha- was already happening or happening around me was really huge. And I think seeing the toll that it took on her, and I know that this is not going to be the same for every partnership, but we had a really hard time, um, one, getting our baby to sleep Outside of our laps, it took till four months for her to really sleep like in a crib. Um, And two, I think breastfeeding was really challenging. She was really committed to it. I was committed to helping her pursue what she wanted around that. It didn't really matter to me whether it was formula or breast milk, but she was really committed to it. And between like sleep deprivation, between her like not producing the amount that was like necessary um, and like, we ended up getting like human donor milk and, and different things, just seeing everything that she went through, I think was really powerful for me to appreciate motherhood. And at the same time, all of the videos I was making along the way and like hearing a lot of horror stories and like re-appreciating the, the phrase crying over spilt milk, especially when it's like spilled breast milk. Um, I, I think paternally was probably one of the most impactful things that may have happened to me as a father. I can't say that for sure yet. Cause there's plenty of years to go on that, but um, I feel like it was, did a great job setting the tone for what I was going to need to do for us to have like a functioning home.
0: I appreciate hearing you say that and it calls to mind some of my clients. So I, I have a domestics business. So a lot of times I'll have clients that I'll send teams in to clean, to clean or help organize and when I find out they're pregnant, it's like, you know, there's a prep that you have to do that's like, okay, well, once this baby's coming, you know, it's gonna cost more. It's gonna cost more money to have the type of support if you want life to keep operating the same way, mm-hmm. right? So there is a dollar amount that you can put on domestic support. And for you to recognize that even seeing your wife feel anxious about the kitchen or a mess or something like that. How valuable is your work that you're addressing the work with value, knowing that it's directly going to affect someone's mental health. So there are ways that you can kind of, and I'm like seeing it in, in, in a triangle, right? Unpaid labor to valuing the unpaid labor to recognizing the benefits of the actual labor so give it value honor it and have healthy relationships it's like it can keep it can keep going and going and going so then not only are you closer with your wife for it you're appreciating your what your wife is doing but you're also can be proud of what you're doing and how you um, are what you're bringing to the house and what you're bringing to the, to the family.
1: Yeah. And, and just to jump on that, you know, one thing that we've talked about on our show is like, I like to think about this quote by Thich Nhat Hanh. I don't know if you know who he is. He was a kind of Buddhist, you know, monk philosopher who wrote a bunch of like really little books that are almost like little mini manuals for life that are great. But his concept of love is that love is understanding. Like to him, it's just like love and understanding should be interchangeable. And so what I hear you saying is that when you had that time, when you had three and then into four months at home with a new baby and you understood your wife and you could see the home in a new way and you could see her role within the home in a new way, I imagine that that just creates an atmosphere that's like ripe for love. And so she's going to feel that. You're going to feel that. The two of you are going to get each other. And like, what a cool vibe to have in your house, especially as you're raising a baby, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially a baby who's not sleeping. I had one of those. It's so stressful, Mm -hmm. so stressful. And so to be able to kind of like bring the understanding into the mix, I imagine that's a thing that you can really carry forward. Mm -hmm. And understanding
0: what needs to get done, like action-based. Yeah. Because love is a big part action. Like love is action and I mean, not all action, but like, I love that idea of, of the understanding and and seeing paternity leave as a beautiful time to understand. Right, right.
1: Well, and also you're saying you're not just understanding it intellectually. It's translating Mm -hmm. into, into behavior. (laughs) Right,
0: right, right. Oh, Zach, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, was yeah, there any? Yeah,
1: was mm-hmm. there anything that we didn't ask you in the last minute or so that you wanted to add that you know could be beneficial to you or our listeners?
2: Um, so two things. I'll say one's a little bit of a self plug. So one of the um, challenges I think a lot of folks go through with with Fair Play and Unicorn Space one is that they do the books backwards. I personally recommend people do read Unicorn Space first because mostly it's women. are going through this process the reason for that i similar to if if i told you right now like you need to start doing a budget most people in america are not setting a budget every month but if i said okay our goal is to buy a house in the next year a budget makes a lot of sense like yeah we need to figure out how we're going to save for a house to make that work unicorn space is similar to the house and the budget is similar to fair play a lot of people, a lot of men especially, don't see the value in fair play. It just sounds like they're they're being like disrespected, or like a lot of guys take it like personally, like oh, what I'm not doing enough, like I don't do enough for this house. But if you put it in terms of unicorn space, which I think um, is women, or I'm just gonna say it's women, simplifies the the explanation. Um, a lot of them are not picking up those things that they're passionate about that like I would say this radio for the two of you is probably unicorn space um for Alyssa it's horseback riding
1: like the things that are lost when you're spending all your time cleaning up after yeah. other people absolutely like all the lost opportunity or the opportunity cost yes Yeah.
2: so when we identify that that's something really important that we want to work towards having time for that creating a structure to make sure that that happens makes a lot more sense buying the house, got to have a budget. To have unicorn space, you need a system so that you're not doing all the domestic load.
1: Totally, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And then
2: the last thing I'll say, so I'm an accountability coach and I'm a Fair Play facilitator. Um, I was trained by the Fair Play company um, to help facilitate conversations around that. I think the main issue people have is like sitting down, having the conversations. It's less about like them wrapping their heads around it and like sitting down and having the tough conversations. And that's what my coaching is around is like sitting down just to have the conversation hold you to having those conversations that are tough.
1: Well, that's cool. So if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You know, I know earlier you said, you know, what, you know, how to find you on Instagram, but if you could repeat Mm -hmm. that and maybe if there's contacts you could share.
2: Yeah. So um, Instagram, I think is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I am not amazing at responding to DMs. I'm still working on that probably about 90 behind right now um but that's a pretty decent way tiktok dms i don't check as much those are the main two places that i spend time um i'm also working on uh, a podcast of my own where i'm trying to have guests on but a lot of times my my friend recommended i do it because he felt like he listened to one of my podcasts he's like man you're good in short form but like when you have a little bit more space to articulate good things happen so um, if they want to hear more long winded um, things like this, that's where you can find me. Uh, but yeah, real Zach Thinkshare. Um, I just recently got the blue check mark on the Instagram, so they'll know which one to do. Um, and Zach Thinkshare on TikTok.
0: Great, cool. Thanks so much, Zach. We appreciate having a conversation with you today. Yeah. I'm so glad that you took the time
1: to be with us and to mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about what you do and why you do what you do, which seems really, really important. And I am personally grateful, you know, as someone who likes to think about the generations that are ahead, you know, and like what you're doing is modeling for your daughter and it's modeling for other men to teach their daughters and their sons how to do things differently than what we've done in the past. So thank you. Thank Great. you.
2: I hope we're able to push the push the social progression by by a, a little nudge today.
0: Cool. Great. All right. Well, you've been listening to the everyday feminist and, uh, hopefully you can, uh, ask us questions. If you'd like to ask us questions, our email address is, what's our email? <laughs>
1: <laughs> everydayfeministradio <laughs> at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also find yeah. us online at the everydayfeminist.com. Mm-hmm. Um, there are replays and links to podcasts and stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. um, So, check us out, share us, and thank you again, Zach, for being our guest.
2: Welcome. Okay, all right. Catch you next week, German Town Radio.